0: Hello and welcome to Chase to Perfection, a UConn women's basketball podcast. We are a little more than 10 days away from the season. No, we're actually not a little more than 10 days. We're a <laughs> little more than a week away from the start of the season. And we are into our first kind of game week of the season. Huskies have their first exhibition against Cutstown. I have absolutely no idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but until I'm told otherwise, it's Cutstown. On Sunday at the XL Center, 1 p.m. TV is going to be the CW in Connecticut. I have not seen anything about a stream yet, but I imagine it, there's going to be one somewhere. But this is a week that we can finally say the off season is over because it might not be an official game. But it's a game. It's a live game that we can see because I'm not counting the scrimmage in that.
1: Yeah, Exactly. We get to watch them play basketball this week, which is exciting.
0: Also, I'm looking on the schedule and it says the UConn Sports Network. Oh wait, no, that's radio. Never mind. Yeah, (laughs) I I imagine it's going to be streamed somewhere. I can't imagine that they don't have a stream of it. Maybe on the website or God forbid, Flow Sports. (laughs) That would be really rough. That would be really cool to the people to put it on Flow Sports. You just want to watch a good little exhibition game and you have to pay two hundred and fifty dollars a month. Give up your firstborn child, and then uh, submit to your internet being checked by Flow every single month. <laughs> Not actually, but Basically. that would—it's much. Different. Last week, if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you generally know how things go. We record, crush a great podcast. Next day comes. You wake up and there is immediately some major news that happens that is now defined the conversation for the next week that we have not talked one second about on our podcast. The running joke used to be that every single day we would record and then some schedule news would come out. This time we record and UConn announces that freshman forward Ice Brady will be out for the entire 2022 23 season. With a dislocated patella in her right knee, which I think, I am not a doctor, nor do I ever claim to be, but I think that's the kneecap, right? A dislocated kneecap?
1: Yeah, I think that's all that is.
0: Right. Uh, Again, not a doctor, but my knowledge is that anything that involves the patella with an injury is really bad, so... Season ender, it occurred on Friday, October 21st, the day before the secret scrimmage. She had surgery four days later. Gino didn't really get into a ton of details about it. He said that it was non-contact. No one was around her. Kind of made it sound like her foot slipped and then she landed the wrong way. But at this point, it, it wouldn't be a UConn injury if it wasn't a freak injury. It's just the latest thing that they can't escape it's page it's ice it's Aubrey last season it's the crush of injuries they had throughout the year that maybe were only a couple of games but they all add up it's just almost I'm not saying it's funny that she got hurt but it's almost comical this slew of injuries they've had I, I don't know how to explain it I've never seen anything like it in really any sport at any level
1: yeah, it's just been a, a long at this point, unfortunate streak of bad luck on the injury front for this team and hopefully fingers crossed this is the end of it, but it has not it's not been a good stretch for Yukon.
0: Have you seen Ted Lasso? I have not. I okay, feel like we've well, talked
1: about this and I need to we, watch it and
0: it just it's probably happened. Have. <laughs> if you if you had watched it you would understand this reference well there's one episode without spoiling too much where they think that the training room is cursed because something like in world war one they used the stadium as like a training ground under the or a recruiting ground under the guys that you could come and try out for the team but instead it was recruiting for the army and a bunch of the people who showed up for the tryout ended up getting shipped off to the western front died and now it's haunted by the people who uh were in the training room anyways they hold a i don't even know what the right word is a ceremony a, a a let's go with ceremony where they essentially rid the bad spirits from the training ground i don't know if the exact same thing needs to happen but yukon needs to do something to I don't know, maybe the entire building of Worth, maybe just the women's basketball side of Worth to clear whatever spirits are currently haunting it because that really seems like the only logical explanation to having this many injuries this frequently that are this severe.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just there's just a lot of like like you said, free things. It's not like any real pattern. It's just unfortunate bad luck and they need to do something about it
0: <laughs> Gino made a pretty strong point that he didn't think it was strength and conditioning or if it was strength and conditioning in, in a way it almost was not SNC's fault because there's a very narrow window that you have to hit and if you overtrain you're going to injure and if you undertrain you're going to injure so you basically have to get lucky and find the right spot he also threw out the theory that maybe because players just are so specialized. They don't let their bodies rest during the off season because they don't have an off season or they don't train different muscle groups and put stresses on different parts of their bodies by playing different sports. I don't even know if anyone could come up with a clear answer though, even if you were a medical professional, which again, I can't emphasize enough how I am not every single one that you talk to would probably have a different opinion. Someone would probably say it's strength and conditioning. Someone would probably say it's just bad luck Someone else would have another theory that I probably can't even formulate because I'm not even in that sphere. But I feel like it's just so difficult to pinpoint an answer, even if you had the expertise to do it. I imagine UConn's trying to figure it out too, because you don't want your player's knees just exploding every other day in practice. But if it's something that doesn't necessarily have an answer, and if it is a freak thing that Gino says, then... At this point, what else can you do except start carrying around rabbit's foots and holding (laughs) ceremonies to rid bad spirits from long ago?
1: Yeah, exactly. That seems like the the only viable solution at this point.
0: I think the other disappointing factor in this is that it's not that Ice Brady was just going to be a non-factor on this team. It was still to be determined how much she was going to play, but she was definitely going to play. There's no question about that. She was going to be in the front court rotation. She was going to see enough minutes to show that she's capable of contributing or not capable of contributing, I guess. But every single time Gino talked about her when she was in the commitment process or Before she had arrived at UConn, he thought that she was going to make a big impact this year. Her teammates spoke very highly of her. When we talked to Jamel Elliott, she was very high on ice. So it's disappointing that you lose a freshman regardless. Now their entire career is going to be backed up a year, assuming that they can get their health back from this, which, again, I have no idea. I I really don't want to speculate on the nature of an injury like this. And now you're down one more player in a front court that at one point seemed really, really deep and really, really versatile. And you had a lot of different things and ice was a big part of that. And now it's not that it's not deep. They still have a lot of options, but it's one less option. And now you only have three post players because I think Ayanna Patterson and Aubrey Griffin are more wing types than back to the basket bigs, the way that Dorka, Aaliyah, Amari, and I expected ice were going to be so. It's just really tough that you know, your your group of guards, your backcourt is already thin. At least you have a deep front court to lean on and now you're one body down, one of your more promising bodies down.
1: Yeah, exactly. This team doesn't have a ton of depth to start with. So really any injuries, I think, at this point are a tough blow. But I mean it's rare that Juno is has a lot of positive things to say about a freshman i think this early on in the in the preseason so to hear those things and then see ice go down is definitely disappointing In that it sounded like she was going to have a solid impact on this team this year and now that will be held off to at least next season
0: it wasn't even hedged optimism either the way that he's kind of talked about ayana where he said ayana's got these unbelievable physical tools she's unlike anyone else on the team in terms of you know those capabilities and if she can figure out the basketball part of it she's going to be really good that's a very big if and there's still plenty that ayana can contribute as we've seen with aubrey griffin in the past as we saw in flashes never enough but in flashes with mere McLean, ice brady though it seemed like the pieces were all there and it was going to be just getting past the typical freshman struggles. It didn't seem like there was anything major that she had to develop or that she had to overcome or that she had to figure out outside of the things that every single freshman has to go through in order to contribute. So if there was a sure thing in the freshman class, it really felt like it was going to be ice.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, we did get some actual basketball information. Not a lot, but we did get some. UConn had a secret scrimmage on October 22nd. We knew about it, but we knew that all the details were going to come out afterwards. They played UMass, defending A10 a- champions, a 12 seed in the NCAA tournament, new home to former Husky P.F. Gabriel. Honestly, a pretty good team to play in a preseason scrimmage where They're good. They're going to give you a test, but you're also not showing your cards to, you know, one of the teams that you're going to be competing for in the elite eight, or even really the sweet 16 in the way that, I mean, not, not that there's anyone in the big East or in the Northeast in that case, but even still just a, probably the second best program that you could have scheduled, you know, besides UConn itself in new England, they got them. That alone feels like a win in a secret scrimmage.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I would say a really solid team. I mean, UMass, they returned their entire starting lineup from last year's team. They have Sam Brien, who's one of the best mid-major players in the country. And they were 33rd, I think, in the Her Stats ratings last season. So a team that I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, to see sneak into the top 25 at some point this
0: year. Yeah, so that feels almost similar to like a Princeton level, right? Right. Or would you yeah. say they're a cup below Princeton just because Princeton's a yeah. little more established?
1: Um, I honestly think probably on par with Princeton this season. I think Princeton was a little bit, I think they maybe are ranked right now. I can't remember, but yeah, I, I think, think they're they, 24 they lost or 25. Yeah, they lost a bit from last season, so I don't know if they'll stay there. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say around that that same level.
0: Right. So You've essentially got two exhibition games coming up in Cutstown. And then, for all purposes, Northeastern is an exhibition. That's going to be a blowout. That's going to be the way that UMass Lowell was during the COVID season. Yeah, it counts to your record, but it's an exhibition game. They're going to obliterate them. There is no scenario in the world that Northeastern is going to beat UConn the same way that Cutstown is not going to beat UConn. So. It's a good test and it's a good test to figure out early in the season where you, like Gino said, you can stop things, you can work on things, you can both go to your benches, draw things up and talk about what you want to work on. There's no eyeballs on you. You can take your own pace, you can play the players that you want to play in certain groups, you can switch them on and off. There's so much flexibility that you can do that you don't get with an exhibition but then he still likes the exhibition because you have to play in front of a crowd and that's going to be an adjustment for new players. And even the returning players, it's good to get back to the swing of things. So it's the second year they've done this and it sounds like it's going to be something that continues, which I think is a pretty good thing.
1: Agreed. I think it's great. And it's it's a good way to try things out against a quality opponent. Like you said, without kind of the pressure of the crowd and without having to play within the confines of all the rules of a real game.
0: That's about half the stuff we learned because Gino (laughs) was not feeling very divulgent in terms of what he wanted to tell. The one major thing that he did say was that the offense is ahead of the defense and specifically quote, our defense stinks, which isn't a surprise because that was something that we were literally just talking about last episode, how they need AZ FUD to be a defensive stopper because there's not a ton of other, defensive-minded guards in that back. well i mean there's not even a ton of other guards in that backcourt but it's nika's defense first the rest of them are offense first az's got the best chance to be a really good two-way player there's just olivia nelson adota was excellent defensively and her inconsistency will blind people to that fact of how good she was defensively and Kristen Williams, not necessarily the lockdown player this past year that she was as a junior, but still a good defender, an above-average defender. Avina Westbrook, a very solid defender as well. Paige Becker's really active on the defensive end, even if she wasn't a great one-on-one defender. That's a lot to replace with a bunch of new pieces and a bunch of pieces that aren't exactly known for their defense. Aliyah Edwards is not a standout defender. Dorky Uhas is not a standout defender. We haven't seen enough of Amari DeBerry to know if she's a standout defender and speed's not exactly her game. So that could be tricky. Ayanna Patterson could be a really good defender, but she's a freshman. There's still a lot of question marks there. So I don't think it's all that surprising that the defense is struggling early on, especially when then Gino comes out and says that they haven't worked much on defense in the preseason anyways. So how worried would you be about the state of the defense at this point?
1: It's hard because I feel like you always have to take what Gino says about the defense with a grain of salt because this team could be pretty decent defensively. and He'd probably still say the defense sucks, but um, I do think there's some obvious concerns defensively, and there's plenty of time for them to work those things out. But I think when you look at how front-loaded some of their non-conference games are, the fact that you're playing Texas in a little over a week, you're playing NC State, In two weeks, you've got some big tests coming up, and because of UConn's conference slate, those getting wins in those tests is important for how they'll be seated come March. So I think there's a fair level of concern there, just because you're going to need that right off the bat.
0: Yeah. So what you said at first, someone did quote tweet my story about their defense, Steve, on Twitter. He said, if Gino ever said that they were good defensively, I might have a stroke, which <laughs> extremely <true>. accurate. There. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Gino's ever actually been happy with the defense, but then the next year he'll go back and say that last year's defense was actually pretty right. good. Feels like it has every single year. Defense sucks. Defense sucks. Defense sucks. Our defense isn't there. Oh, actually, our defense was really good last year, and this year's defense is never going to be able to get to that same level as last year's had, so... I mean, the defense is back in the 1980s must have been unbelievable considering (laughs) every year it seems to get worse the way Gino talks about it. I think my concern is what I said earlier, where they just don't have a ton of players that seem like they're going to be above average defenders and maybe a group of okay defenders individually can be really great defenders as a team because they communicate well and they move well and they just have a really good idea of what the other team is going to do and having nika mule out there directing all of it helps but i just don't feel great it doesn't feel like there's a lot of obvious options aubrey griffin i think i forgot to mention her earlier she's obviously a disruptor on defense and if ayana can be something similar those are two pluses but the perimeter is just really where it worries me because when you play a really good team, if Nika Mule guards one player and you got two other guards, that you got to watch is Aubrey going to be on one of the guards. Are you counting on Caroline or Lou Lopez Seneschal to step up their defense? Neither of them are really known for their defense. So the personnel is what concerns me more. I think the defense is mostly going to be fine, but it's going to be those big games. The Texases, the, NC States, the, not that Iowa concerns me, but just the firepower that Iowa has and Caitlin Clark and Sonano. how do they contain that? And then, you know, you get into the NCAA tournament, that's more where it concerns me because they're not going to have any problems against even Villanova. They've, I think it was Aaliyah Edwards who shut down Maddie Segrist in the past NCAA tournament. So it's, it's those high-tier teams that I think are going to be the concern with the defense, which is kind of how it feels every year. There's always a floor with UConn's defense. It's never going to be DePaul or Arkansas where you're trying to win a shootout. The way Gino said it, we might have to score 100 every night because the other team scores 95. I, that's not going to be the case. Maybe they have a bad game here, or there defensively, the way that Arkansas was in 2021. There's probably another one that I'm forgetting in there somewhere. I mean, last year doesn't even count because they didn't even have everyone most yeah. of the season. But I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of those games are sprinkled in, or maybe they let someone like, you know, Seton Hall, Lauren Park Lane goes off for 35 points and Seton Hall drops 75, but UConn scores 95. So it doesn't really matter. I could see those things happening, but I don't think it's going to be a major issue just in the sense of something that they're dealing with every game, but it could be something that sinks them in March. And that way it would be a major issue.
1: Agreed. But there's so much time before March that I I wouldn't really worry about that at this point. I think even if the defense doesn't look good in these early games, there's tons of time to figure that out. I want to go back to the point you made about Leah Edwards on Maddie secrets, though, because I think that's a, it'll be interesting to see if she can kind of bring that defensive type of performance that she had in that game on a more consistent basis this season because I think that was an extremely solid defensive performance from Aaliyah Edwards. On a player that's pretty versatile, a player that can score on the perimeter but also get inside um, and is one of the best players in the country. So if they can kind of get that night in and night out from Aaliyah Edwards, that could be a huge step in the right direction for this defense.
0: Right. Uh, and in a lot of ways, Aaliyah feels like she's the key to this team because A lot of things need to go right, but all signs seem to be pointing to AZ doing what she needs to do. I I can't really remember a time where there's been this much consistent praise for a player who then just fell flat on her face. And I think what we saw from Caroline Ducharme last season was pretty substantial and it was only an injury that ended up derailing her. So I feel pretty good about her. Lou lopez Seneschal feels like she's just going to be a really good, Scorer and is going to put the ball in the basket for UConn. Aliyah Edwards, though, has always had the ability to take UConn from a good team to a team that's borderline unstoppable in the paint just by herself. And if she's doing that on both ends of the floor, where she's grabbing every rebound and she is just banging bodies and making life miserable for other front courts, but then also being that Swiss Army knife defender that can guard multiple positions and shut down those stretch forward types like Maddie Segrist and maybe help out on some of the bigger guards that they face. And then also take the big post players that they're going to go up against throughout the season. That's really valuable. And it's the type of thing that is going to, it's going to take this team to another level that I don't think they're necessarily going to be at without obviously, but I you know she's just got such game breaking potential and if she can tap into that every single game Yukon's going to be a really hard team to beat.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think we've seen it throughout the last two seasons that when Leah Edwards is really good this team is a better team and I think that becomes even more important now because they have less pieces and you've lost a lot of those experienced pieces so they're going to need her to be that player even more than they have in the past two seasons and they've needed that from her in the last two seasons but it's even more important going into this year
0: and we saw it a bit late in the ncaa tournament i mean she wasn't impacting entire games but the numbers really don't do it justice how impactful she was at the end of some of those NCAA tournament games, the NC state game, the Stanford game. She came in, in foul trouble. She made a huge impact and then she ended up back in foul trouble and on the bench. But those two, three minutes that she was on the floor, she was unbelievable.
1: Yeah. Her ability to just be such a force in the paint on both ends of the floor. If those minutes can be so critical for this team and, if they can get that consistently and, you know, in every game, that's going to be, I think that's what makes this team, like a clear final four team is if you're getting that from Lilia Edwards every night, I don't think they're going to have any problem getting back there. If you aren't, then there's probably going to be more questions.
0: Yeah. If everyone on this team played up to their potential, I I feel very confident that this team would probably be right back in the national championship game against South Carolina. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's way too early. I'm not going to say, oh, and this time they definitely beat them. Or maybe South Carolina doesn't even get there. I don't know. I'm not saying that. But it's not a matter of talent with this UConn team. And I think this is probably going to be something that we talk about all season long. It's that pretty much every single piece of talent that they have on their team is either unproven or has not proven that they can do it at a high level on a consistent basis. We all know what AZ FUD can do, and I actually, I don't think we know what AZ FUD can do, no. which is <laughs> the scary part. We know what Caroline Ducharme can do. We saw what Lou lopez Seneschal is capable of at Fairfield. Gino believes that Dorka could be a top five WNBA pick. Aaliyah Edwards, we've seen what she can do in spurts. Aubrey Griffin, obviously, everyone's seen that. Ayana Patterson, she has all the potential in the world. Even Amari DeBerry has looked good enough to at least have some hope for in limited minutes, but none of those players are established stars the way that, you know, more recently, I think the best example would probably be Katie Lou Samuelson and Nafisa Collier coming back after their sophomore year, year after year. They were just so steady. They were so good. You knew exactly what you were going to get. And you knew those two are going to what do what they do. And you just got to figure out the pieces around it. No, you need to figure out who your Lewin few are going to be. And then you have to figure out who all the other pieces are on top of that. So that's where the questions on this team are. It's not a matter of talent. It's not a matter of ability. It's not a matter of who they have on the roster. It's how those players perform. Because in terms of pure roster talent, I don't know if I'd make the argument, but you could probably make an argument that UConn's the most talented team in the country.
1: Yeah, I think you could. I don't know that I would make the argument either I think there's some other teams that would be right there with them but they're in that elite top group if you're looking at just talent so it like like you said it really comes down to how does that talent come together and can that talent be consistent and I think that's what puts them behind right now like a team like South Carolina where you know a certain number of those pieces are going to be consistent every night you don't necessarily know that about UConn at this point
0: Yeah, or Stanford. And I think Stanford's Mm -hmm. almost kind of in a similar boat as UConn, but a little more established with Haley Jones. And Cameron Brink, I think, is still has a higher floor than a lot of UConn's players. But it's not like Cameron Brink has been a bastion of consistency in her career.
1: Yeah, but she still does a lot. I think like Kama brain gets knocked more than like she maybe deserves to sometimes. Her numbers, if you like look at actual numbers from last year, are better than Haley Jones in a lot of categories.
0: I think it's probably the foul trouble. That's more what's in That's head. Yeah,
1: that's what, which is fair. But I do think when she's on the floor, it's a matter of keeping her on the floor for as many minutes as possible. But when she's on the floor, she's very consistent. Yeah.
0: That's who you're going up against. Players, and I mean, we don't even need to talk about South Carolina. Aaliyah Boston has just stepped on the court and kicked ass from the moment she arrived in college. Has Aaliyah Boston <laughs> actually had a down game in her career? Because it doesn't actually feel like it.
1: I don't think so. I'm pretty sure at her first like ever college game, she had a triple-double. And it just feels like it just has continued since.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, UConn's had, what, six triple-doubles ever? yeah <laughs> that's got to be one of the crazier stats that yukon's had six triple doubles ever and sabrina Ionescu wakes up and has like three triple doubles in a day <laughs> or did when she was at oregon like yeah that's where i think though this season could be fun because the last couple of years the last three years have really sucked last year <laughs> with the injuries it was just even someone covering it from a neutral perspective there's still a human element where it's like, oh, my God, another one. Yeah. And then the year before, no one had fun during COVID. Some people pretended they had fun during COVID. We all know that they didn't. Then the year before that, that, that Megan Walker team, nobody had fun that year. The vibes on that team were terrible. Gino hated that team. That may have been <laughs> strong. That's me speculating, but he was not happy all that year, all season long.
1: Yeah. So, hopefully, assuming that we don't have to deal with any more injuries, which, fingers crossed, this is the last of this horrible streak. It should be a fun, fun year to cover.
0: I want to introduce a new segment. We were going to save it for later, but since we mentioned the injuries, let's bring it up now. (laughs) This is a new segment that we are calling What's More Likely. So, two things that seem impossible to happen, to not happen we're going to pin them up against each other and decide which one is more likely. So is it more likely that UConn gets through the rest of the season without, you know, a major injury? Let's just say any key player missing more than what one game I think is fair and not having injuries stack up on top of each other. What's more likely that happening being injury free the rest of the way or Iowa winning the national championship.
1: I'm I'm gonna go with it, UConn being injury free the rest of the way because I always just they're not winning the national championship unless Caitlin Clark has somehow become like the country's best defender in the last six months they are not winning
0: a national championship I I just really have so little confidence that Yukon's gonna stay healthy that's that's also fair I I, I, I think
1: my take has nothing to do with my confidence in UConn. <laughs> Staying healthy and everything to do with my complete confidence that that I will not win a national
0: championship. <laughs> I mean, it's not an easy path, but there is a path. So let's just say they're not good defensively, but they're functional defensively. Just purely functional, which is above where they've been in the past. They're a two seed again. They get a good region. That one seed gets knocked out by some Cinderella team. UConn never puts it all together. And, you know, I mean, in this scenario, they continue to be just destroyed by injury. So they're out of the picture. South Carolina doesn't have the same fires last year. Leah Boston, you know, doesn't have that redemption mindset and they get booted. Stanford, we've got the 2016 final four, where it was essentially an underdog everywhere except UConn. So you've got four underdogs in the final four. And at that point, it ends up just being a matter of star power, and it's Caitlin Clark that wins it all. I think that's a more likely scenario than UConn being just completely (laughs) injury-free. Like the idea that the second-best player in the country wins the national championship puts the team on our back. I mean, to cross-reference, we like to make fun of Syracuse. Syracuse won a national championship on the back of Carmelo Anthony. There's a reason that they haven't won any before, and there's a reason they never won any since. So, it's not unheard of for one player to carry a team to a national championship, and you know Sunano's good too. I'm not knocking her. And then upsets can happen. There's there's a there. I'm yeah, not putting any money on that, a, and I would not a lot of upsets need to happen for Iowa to get there. Sure, <laughs> sure. I think it would be a bigger upset if everything went perfect for UConn, and they were just a bastion of good health the rest of the year.
1: but it feels like they've had such bad luck that something has to go right eventually
0: you would think but then you look at the fact that the Red Sox went 86 years without a World Series and (laughs) that the Cleveland Browns exist and (laughs) I don't know if there's a good I mean I can't think of a proper uh, women's basketball reference but or the Connecticut Sun there you go so (laughs) I don't know. I I think I would pick Iowa. You'd pick UConn staying healthy?
1: Yeah, I'm sticking with my gut there. There's just okay. there's no way in my mind that Iowa will win the national championship. Maybe Caitlin Clark is going to be this amazing defender, and they'll prove me wrong, but I'm willing to take that, that gamble.
0: We've got a little uh, add-on segment here. So instead of which is more likely, it is – What's more legitimate? So, South Carolina's 2020 AP number one. We're the national champions, even though no one will call us a national champions banner. That's the same size as the other national championship banners. Or any foul that's ever been called against Nika Mule. Which one is less legitimate?
1: South Carolina banner. That banner is an embarrassment. I still can't believe that they, they hung it. It's, it's, it's really... It's embarrassing for our program that now has two legitimate national championship banners to have that
0: up. You say that, but you forget the fact that Nico Mule's never been called for a foul in her life. <laughs> so you know. It's a tough one there.
1: It is a tough one.
0: I think I'm still going, Nika. <laughs> Fair. But anyways, moving on. Like we said, game week. This Sunday, and we'll talk about that right after we tell you that Chasing Perfection has its own feed. You can subscribe to it directly, get episodes right on your podcast app of choice, unless you're a freak like me and your podcast app of choice is Stitcher, because it's it just refuses to let me set it up on Stitcher. So if, if you're on Stitcher and you really want it on Stitcher, I will make another attempt, but it's been very hard. But be sure to subscribe there. You can also subscribe directly on Substack to Chasing Perfection. And every time we post an episode, you will get that episode directly in your inbox. So there's lots of options to subscribe. We are also brought to you by the UConn Women's Basketball Weekly. Sign up, get exclusive coverage of the Huskies that you can't get anywhere else from myself and Megan. We have a lot coming in the next couple of weeks with the season Getting underway, lots of previews, lots of stuff from the exhibition game, which we're about to talk about. And you can read all of, about what Gino said about the scrimmage last Friday. So, Cuts Town, come into the XL Center on Saturday. What is the number one thing that you were most looking forward to in this game?
1: It's hard because it's just in general, like watching basketball in person again is very exciting. But I think the number one thing I'm looking forward to is probably seeing what Izzy Fudd looks like and what she looks like at the point guard spot in particular. I think that's a very new spot for her. So if we see that, it'll be very interesting to see what that looks like. Um, And then just, there's been so much, like you said, praise from the coaching staff about what she's been doing. So seeing at least a glimpse of of what she can do.
0: Yeah, I thought it was really interesting that she mentioned that she's playing a lot of point guard. And Gino specifically said at Big East Media Day that they're not going to have just one player play the point because it seems very obvious that it would be Nika Mule. My guess is that those two are going to split the time, but the fact that AZ is going to see a lot there, I don't necessarily love that even though it is out of necessity, just because the more that you have her on the ball, the less opportunity she's going to get to shoot. But at the same time, all Gino's ever said about her is that she's a great basketball player. She's not just a shooter. So maybe having the ball in her hands is going to give her a page like opportunity to just score at will wherever she is on the floor. So I do think that's going to be really interesting. Not only how she looks, but how she's utilized too, and how that backcourt is managed with Nika Mule and AZ Fudd and Caroline Ducharme. And my pick for who I'm most excited or what I'm most looking forward to seeing is Lulopa Seneschal, because I think she's a really intriguing piece. I had low expectations with her coming from Fairfield just because that's such a huge jump. But from all accounts of what she we've heard about her, she's a really good scorer. She's a really good veteran for this team. She's going to make an impact on the offensive end, even if her defense isn't necessarily there. I'm interested to see what that looks like, what her arsenal's like, and how she fits in with Caroline Ducharme because they're both big guards. I think I feel like they both have similar games, but I'm just very interested to see how she gets integrated into the lineup and the offense.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think the one of the most exciting things about exhibition games is always seeing kind of the new pieces for the first time. So her in particular, especially I think the way Junos talked about her and the way that she could be a, an important piece for this backcourt. And then also, of course, Ayanna Patterson as well. I'm excited to see what she looks like for the first time on this team.
0: Yeah, she's a really interesting one. Just when you have someone like Aubrey Griffin... And Gino's saying that Ayanna Patterson is more athletic and has more physical tools than anyone on the team. You can kind of guess that by the way she dunks, but even still, that's really impressive. I just, is she going to have more of an impact than just rebounding and being super athletic out there? Is she more of a well-rounded basketball player than maybe she's gotten credit for? Or than maybe people have said? She's just such an interesting piece that could be a really big factor for this team or could take some time to get going. I feel like, you know, we're not going to learn everything from this exhibition because last year Dork was unbelievable against (laughs) Fort Hayes State. And obviously that was only, it was inconsistent the rest of the way. So we're not going to learn everything, but it'll at least be a glimpse
1: Yeah definitely and like you said you're only going to be able to take so much from it but I think the other things I'm looking forward to too is getting a glimpse of what does Aubrey Griffin look like now that she's back and what does also Amari DeBerry look like. I think Aubrey obviously coming off such a major injury it's going to be kind of interesting to see how her game has changed um, and, and what she does look like back on the floor for the first time and a year and then with Amari a player that like you said earlier definitely showed some flashes of having some potential last year but we didn't see that much of and if we can see even if it's just a little bit in this game and obviously it might not be what's going to look like when we get into the real season but can she be a bigger impact maker for this game and has or for this team and has she taken strides forward since last season?
0: Yeah, the more time that goes on, the more I'm getting worried about Amari because Gino went out of her way, out of his way to talk about her after the championship game and said how happy he was with the way she seems to have changed her mindset and how she's going to be on campus all summer. And he just thinks that she has so much to give to this team and has so much potential and so much skill. He said she's one of the most skilled bigs they've ever had. And then it seemed like every single time he got asked about her this summer, he couldn't wait to stop talking and finish his answer. And he hasn't gone out of his way to talk about her in the way that he has with Dorka, or Lou or AZ or any of those other players that we project to be major figures. And, It feels a little hard to believe that that might just be keeping her quiet so that other teams don't know that she's coming. I I just can't imagine she's not going to be a factor on this team because mindset's such a big thing, and she has the skill, so it has to be a mindset thing, right? But at the same time, and all we're basing this off is what we're told because we've only watched an hour of practice the entire preseason, and there's only so much you can learn from – you know, single player or small sided drills, but I just would have hoped that, you know, her teammates and the coaching staff would have been a little more excited in the way they talked about her. And I haven't really gotten that sense.
1: Yeah. And I think that is a little bit concerning, but I think we'll get a better idea as we go in the season. But like you said, it's hard to know that she won't be a factor, mostly in a lot of ways, because she kind of needs to be a factor for this team. There's not a lot of front of court depth. That's a sure thing beyond, you know, Oli Edwards and Dorky Haas. So they need someone else that can step into that rotation and be able to at least hold their own
0: on the floor. I do wonder, could it just be that she's still going to be a good player, but it's just below maybe what Gino expected from her because he was so high on her and yeah. maybe he thinks her potential is so high that, maybe she's just going to be a good player off the bench and isn't going to be anything special. And that's going to be helpful to this year's team, but it's not what Gina was hoping out of her. Maybe that's just the case. I, I could see that happening too, because she was never that bad when she entered games last season, she had Mm -hmm. the moments where she was even pretty good, but national championship game. I didn't think she played poorly. She certainly did not put Yukon further behind. So if you're just looking for someone to, Make sure the ship stays afloat while Dorka and Aaliyah get a breather and foul trouble. I think Aaliyah should be capable of that. And maybe it's just the fact that that's all that she's showed so far in the offseason and the preseason. That's disappointing Gino. So he doesn't have a lot of excitement to talk about her the way that he would with AZ making a leap. Or Lou Lopez Seneschal coming in and integrating and you know Dorka being more consistent and Aaliyah being more consistent. I don't know. It's really tough to judge without having seen anything outside of that hour of practice.
1: Yeah, exactly. Especially because Gino can be kind of hard to read at times in terms of each. He's strategic about what he's telling you and things like that. So it's sometimes hard to to get a full picture from him. So I think once we
0: see things on the court, we'll get a much better idea of where she's at. It's also really tough not having Kristen Williams around anymore because Kristen would never <laughs> say anything bad about her teammates. But you could get good information from Kristen Williams because she would give you the truth, but she would always make sure to make her teammates make, give a positive in there. Even last year, she would say, yeah, Amari's still coming along, but you could see she's going to be good someday. So she's just got to work on it. I don't, I, if there is someone on this year's team that will give you a real good, honest answer about where everyone stands, I've not found them. I mean, obviously <laughs> the, and this isn't a knock on anyone, but obviously the teammates are going to stand up for each other and they're all going to say that everyone's looking really good. So I'm really missing Kristen right now. Cause I'd love to get Kristen's take on where Mario DeBerry is with the exhibition coming up. Let's go to the fans favorite segment which is starting lineup predictions. Who do you got <laughs> in the starting five to open the unofficial season?
1: Um, ongoing, and this feels like it's probably the obvious answer, but Nika, AZ, Caroline, Aaliyah, Dorga.
0: I'm going to stick with the lulopas Seneschal train, and say that he's going to have Lou in there at least early in the season because of her veteran presence and the fact that she's one of the older players and then to have Caroline come off the bench. So same other fours you with Lou instead of Caroline, just for that experience factor, at least starting out. And the fact that Caroline's coming off hip surgery doesn't sure. seem like she's 100% full go yet. So if you're limited on minutes. Lou's going to get a lot of them. Caroline's going to probably be on the lighter side, I would guess, early on.
1: That's fair. I don't know that there's going to be many players, better players coming off the bench in the country than Caroline Ducharme, (laughs) if she is.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, you've got... You're 10, 12 minutes into the game. You're already down by 15 points and then UConn turns to its bench and it just throws in another All-American at you. It's a really tough proposition (laughs) to have to deal with as an opponent. (laughs) Yep. That'll be 1 p.m. at the XL Center. First time seeing the Huskies in action this season. On that note, that'll do it for this episode of Chasing Perfection. We will be back next week, getting our season previews. Our last thoughts on... Before the regular season starts, even though it's essentially just an exhibition game, our breakdown of the cuts down game. Megan, got anything to send us into game week?
1: Happy return of the season.
0: That'll do it. Thanks for listening.